Deuteronomy 8. The whole commandment that I command to you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and process the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led, to, led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know or did your fathers know. And he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know that in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains of spring, fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, and a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees, and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread with scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herd and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, and he might humble you and test you, or do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, and he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after the after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord make to perish you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then from Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Um, <clears throat> spring break is a very awkward time to go home if you went home, especially if you're a freshman, because I remember um, going home my first spring break as a freshman, and you know, like you change a lot in the relatively short time that you're at school, your first semester and a half, and you feel like you've you've grown, like you've seen the world, and like you know you're wise, and uh, and you're dressing differently and whatever, and but then you go home. And, like, your parents remember you, not as, like, the cool cosmopolitan person that you've become after one and a half semesters, but they, like, remember you from middle school. And, uh, and like, you go back into your room, and it's, like, sort of embarrassing. Um, because it's difficult to, like, sort of, when things are changing in your life, it's difficult to remember, like, who you are, right? And we tend to forget who we are. And tonight we're talking about faithfulness, because it's what the Bible calls us one of the fruit of the Spirit that Sarah Jane read so ably. And uh, the fruit of the Spirit is just a different way to describe Jesus' character. 
Jesus was the most fully human person that ever existed. He lived the human life to its fullest, most complete and beautiful, in its most complete and beautiful sense. And he embodied these things like love, joy, peace, patience, and all the rest. And tonight we're on faithfulness. And faithfulness um, is a big question for most of us. Because really, if you're a freshman, you're coming to college, um, and you grew up in a religious environment, or you consider yourself a believer in God and Jesus, um, you came to school going, how am I going to, or am I going to, continue to be close with Jesus, even when I'm meeting lots of different kinds of people, I'm exposed to new things, I'm on my own, and there's all these new kinds of temptations around me. Some of you guys are on the other end, where you're getting ready to graduate, and um, you're like, I had this community that's been like helpful for me in college, and I've really grown, and now I'm worried because am I going to continue to be able to be faithful and be close to Jesus in my new job, in a new city, when I don't have all these people around me? Because you're not going to see the vast majority of these people ever again. Um, and that's just the way it is, so sorry. I did not have that written down to say. Um, but it's true, so let's just deal with the reality. Um, or you're, you're thinking, how do I remain faithful to Jesus? How do I walk with Jesus when I have these really strong desires inside of me and things feel natural to me that God says are destructive to me? What do I do? How do I stay faithful? What, what do I, how do I stay close to Jesus when I have doubts or when all my friends don't know Jesus? There's The question of faithfulness is all around us. Or you're maybe exploring for the first time, what would it look like to have faith in Jesus in the first place? And Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, would, would, doesn't use the word faithfulness in this, in this section. It uses the word remembering. For Deuteronomy, being faithful to God is remembering God and remembering who we are. And to forget God would be unfaithful to him. Uh, it would be what the Bible calls idolatry. And so faith, what faithfulness really is, is it's not forgetting God. And what I want to look at tonight is we look at this passage. I know it's a long passage. It's a little dense. But I want to look at why do we forget? How do we forget? Like, what does it look like to forget God? And then what are we supposed to remember? What do we need to remember? And I'm borrowing a lot of this from a guy named Brian Habeck who preached a much better sermon on this passage than I will. Okay. So why do we forget? Uh, Deuteronomy, the word Deuteronomy means second law. Basically what it is, is God had rescued his people from Egypt. If you've ever seen Prince of Egypt, it was basically exactly like that. And um, God had taken his people, Israel, who were slaves in Egypt. He had, through this person named Moses, broken them out of Egypt, brought them through the Red Sea. Amazing, triumphant. And then they wandered around in the desert, like tens of thousands of people, for 40 years. Okay, So that almost all the people that left Egypt in the first place died. And it was just their children and their grandchildren who had been walking around in, uh, in, the, in the wilderness and in the desert. And God had fed them every day with manna. And uh, they're standing at this river called the Jordan River. And they're about to cross the Jordan. We're going to sing a song at the end called On Jordan Stormy Banks. And you'll see it makes sense together. Um, that was on purpose. Uh, <clears throat> and they're about to cross the Jordan River into a land called Canaan, which is the promised land. God had said, I'm going to take you out of this land I'm going to give you a good land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be an amazing place to live. But when you go over into this new land, he uses the book of Deuteronomy to remind them, this is how I want you to live. 
This is what it looks like to walk with God, to trust and obey God when you come into this new reality. Look at verse 11. He's saying, he says, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command to you today. Listen to what he says. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and you have more silver and gold, then your heart be lifted up and you forget God. He says, I'm about to take you into a land that's full of wheat and barley, full of figs and grapes, and you can dig copper out of the hills, which apparently is helpful. Um, and it's going to be a wonderful place full of comfort and wealth and affluence. You're going to go from being slaves to being an affluent people. Um, and we, when we are experiencing material, physical blessings from God, we tend to forget God. Um, it is not when we are struggling that we tend to forget God. It's when we are doing quite well. We forget who we are. We forget who God is. We forget our past, how God has saved us from things. We forget how he's provided for us every step of the way. And the reason why is because when we are doing well, we don't have a felt sense that we need God. We have a felt sense that everything is just going to continue to be okay. Now, there's nothing intrinsically wrong in the Bible with having wealth. God doesn't say, like, having wealth is bad. You should be poor and, like, and die of starvation. Um, it's actually God who's giving them all this stuff, right? In verse 10, he's like, you're going to bless me because I'm giving you all these wonderful, amazing, beautiful things. But there is a serious, serious, serious danger when you have affluence and when you have wealth, and you guys probably feel me coming down your lane a little bit because the vast majority of us are affluent, especially compared to the rest of the world, there's a danger because our hearts were made to connect to something and to worship that thing. That's how we work. Look in verse 19. God says, And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, He's saying, look, if you forget me, you're going to go after something else. That's what you were made. Every person in this room was made to chase something, to go after something, to give our heart to something. And it's not a choice of whether to be religious or not. It's a choice of what to go after. There's a guy, his name, is, his name was David Foster Wallace, and he was an author. He wrote a very super long book called Infinite Jest, um, and he died a few years ago, sadly. But um, he was speaking. He's not a Christian guy not a particularly religious person. He was speaking at a college commencement, and it's a great speech, and he said this in his speech. He said, in the, now remember, this is not a religious person. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. Just hear him out. This isn't like some mean, ugly Christian guy saying this. There's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, uh, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you'll never have enough. Never feel like you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your body and your beauty and your sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Um, he's making a really 
key point. We all worship something. And if that thing is not God, it begins to take over our lives because it's never enough for us. Some of you guys, especially you guys that have been here a few years, have done college for a while. You're like, I have a real sense of what that means. In our cultural moment in 2017 in America, especially people that are in college, the thing we tend to worship is what I would like to call the dream. Okay? Um, the dream is just a shorthand for being well provided for and being comfortable. Ta-Nehisi Coates, who is another author, he writes for The Atlantic mostly, he's an African-American guy. He talks about the dream and he talks about growing up and as a young African-American boy in Baltimore, knowing that this dream was not available to him, that it was not attainable for him. Um, and uh, he, he talks about the dream. He says he, he, he only saw it on TV. He never saw it in real life. And uh, he said, the dream is perfect houses with nice lawns. It's Memorial Day cookouts, block associations and driveways. The dream is tree houses and the Cub Scouts. The dream smells like peppermint but tastes like strawberry shortcake. Uh, Comfort, ease, and plenty. That's generally what most of us go after with our time, with our degree, with our resources. And we become allured by it. Everything around us is basically marketed toward us wanting the dream. I mean, you can't look up like a pair of... Like, if you look in the J. Crew catalog, it's like the most comfortable chinos yet. Like, And it's not like because you just want a comfortable pair of pants because you're like... I'm a person that, like, wants to look slick but also be comfortable, you know? Like, I want the the dream, Uh, you know? um, And the dream is marketed to intentionally make you not ask uh, who the dream is available for and who it's not, or who has to suffer for you to get the dream. You just think, I deserve a break today. Um, That's what I'm looking for. Um, So we become seduced by the dream. I know that's heavy. Because everybody in this room is like, oh, that, okay, got me. Um, that sounds good. What's really wrong with me just wanting to grill out like four nights a week and like be in a safe um, neighborhood? Um, but the problem becomes those good things, when we want those things more than we want God. And we would say like, I would like to have God, but what I need is the dream. And in that case, God is no longer your God. He is like sort of an accessory and the dream is your God. Um, why is it that like I don't just want to check my email? I have taken everything off my phone that has like a refreshable feed, like email, Facebook, Instagram, like because I am a, just an addict and a slave to the thing. But if I even have my computer on, I'm like I know that I don't have a text because it didn't ring, and I know I don't have an email because it's 10 p.m. But why is it that like I don't just want to check it? Like I have to check it. Like, I'm compelled to check it. And it's because I'm worshiping. Because I am desperate for a word from my God. Um, It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And I need to know. I I need to know that I am remembered and wanted and important. So I bow to it. I run to it. Um, Why is it that you need to make sure that your friends are never upset with you? Um, Like... So that, so much so that you act one way around like your Christian friends, and then you act another way around your friends um, on your hall or in your frat or sorority or from, like your friends from home. 
you act a different way with both of them because you need both of them to affirm you. It's not just because you want to be liked or accepted. It's because you need to be liked and accepted. And you realize, like, <laughs> it was just spring break. Like, some of you guys found out that there was a, a spring break planning group text going on that you weren't on. And uh, that you weren't being invited. And, like, you weren't just disappointed, but you grieved that. Um, and it's because you forgot God. I mean, that's just all there is to it. It's because you're like, God's nearness, his acceptance is good. I like that. I want that. But what I need to make it through this semester is what I get from my friends. And look, we forget God because our hearts are prone to wander. There's a, there's a, a hymn that puts it beautifully. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. There's something in our hearts that wants to go after other things and to worship what we call idols, something that subs in for God, and to worship the dream. Um, and that's why we forget, but how do we forget? What's the how question? And I want to speed through here. I got a lot of material here, so I want to make sure we get through it. Look in verse 7, the 17. 7. Come on, there's a one before it. Um, <clears throat> verse 17. Beware lest you say in your heart, listen to how subtle this is. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. These people are about to go into a land. They're going to drive all the people out. They're going to live in houses they didn't build. They're going to eat the fruit of vineyards that they didn't plant and tend. They're going to, they're going to inherit fields and flocks and herds that they did not grow. They did not breed themselves. They're going to come to them as a gift. And he's saying, when you get in there, almost the first thing your heart's going to want to do is go, like, how great am I that I was able to accomplish all this. It's like when you want to get into grad school um, and you're working on your application and like your applications or you can sub in like summer job or internship or whatever um, or you have internship which is they just accept anybody I think. Um, that does no offense to the people that are going. They accepted me so sorry I need to like walk this back now. All of our, all of our interns going out are exceptional. Um, well above average. Um, <laughs> But when you're applying and filling out the applications, um, you're like praying and fasting, you know, like, will, you, will all my friends get together and pray with me for my grad school applications? You're like trying to remember Bible verses about like waiting on the Lord as it's like, it's getting like to late February, early March. And you're like, I should have memorized the Bible better in Sunday school. But then you get in and like almost you're like thanks God and then you're like it's a really good thing that I did that summer internship after my junior year because you know that's what that's what made you know the the difference Um, and when you're talking to your friend that didn't get in you're like being very empathetic outwardly and inside you're like we did that study group every Tuesday and like maybe you should have come you know because then you would be where I am um uh, or, like, it, it's, preci- look, it's, it's when things are going well that we forget about God, but it can be the, the inverse, right? Like, where you don't get in, and then, like, you cannot stop thinking about the fact that you, like, had typos on your application. Um, uh, or that you sounded, like, just, you sounded dumb on the phone, you know, with the person that called you. Uh, one of my friends, who will remain unnamed, uh, she, was, she called a potential employer and left a message, and she was like, um, 
hey, just wanted to call about the position, just checking in on how it went. Uh, I just really excited about the opportunity. So like, if you get a chance, I'd really appreciate you calling me back. Thanks for um, taking the time to listen uh, to this message in Jesus' name. <laughs> And that's where you have to remember that if you wait to the end of your voicemail, you can choose to re-record that, that voicemail. It's still a thing. Um, really, we just think the outcomes in my life are diametrically, are like, are attached to my effort. If I do good enough, then things work out for me. And if not, it's on me as well. And we usually don't do that in such an outward way. Like, especially if you're here and like you're a religious person, you're like, you come to this and you're like, yeah, I give thanks to God. You put it on Facebook, like, you know, the, the praise hands, you know, emoji. And uh, you don't want people to think like you're stuck up about it. But like in verse 17, he, said, he doesn't say beware lest you say to your friends. He says beware lest you say in your heart, my, um, the, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. In your heart you go, I worked hard. And this is what happens for people that work hard. And, and, and I feel this like when someone just mildly questions my work ethic, because I'm in one of those like insecure jobs. People are like, what do you do all day? Um, I'm like, drink coffee. Um, but this morning, I dropped my daughter off at preschool, and I went up on the parkway to work on some stuff for tonight so I wouldn't be distracted with the things that I'm addicted to, like email, which sounds really stupid. And so I'm up on the parkway, and I take a picture of the overlook, and I send it to my wife. And she replies back, tough life. Um, and what she was saying, and I know what she was saying, was like, man, like, isn't it great? Like, it's a beautiful day. Like, we live in a beautiful place. Like, it's awesome that you're out there and you're able to do that. But I want to, like, reply to me, like, yeah, well, I'm working hard up here, okay? Like, uh, it's, I might be up here. It is beautiful, but I'm toiling up here. Um, like, don't question my work ethic like that again. Um, it's like, it's kind of like when you tell your roommate, like, they're like, hey, do you want to go to Central? You're like, no, I really need to work on this paper. And then, like, an hour later, you hear them, like, opening the door, come back in, you, like, close Netflix and, like, open the paper back. Um, <laughs> because, like, we, we are just attached to the sense of people around me need to, need to see that I'm working hard. Because I, it's the, it's the power of my hands that's going to make this thing happen for me. And that is idolatry. That's where, like, we want the gift. Like, thank you, it's a gift. And also, I would like the credit for giving the gift, please, if you, if you don't mind. Um, and really, I mean, like, I don't want to sound like too intense, but this is basically Bible language. There's like really nothing, no difference between that and like a hookup. You know, it's like, I want the thing, but I'm not really interested in you so much, but I'd be interested in you for like an hour, um, until I get what I'm, I'm looking for. And so that's why we forget in how, and that's like, I feel, I think that feels like pretty bad news, um. But the question for us now is, like, what is it that we need to remember? And as Brian, who was preaching on this passage, he put it, he's like, it's not really so much about what do we need to remember, but who do we need to remember? Um, because it changes our life. Um, look at verse 18. You know, he said, beware lest you say in, in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. That's what he says. You shall remember what? The Lord your God, for it's he who gives you power to get wealth. He may, he may confirm his covenant that he swore to, his, to your fathers as it is to this day. He's saying, remember that God is good to you. God wants to give you good things. He's not evil. 
He's not stingy. He's not unkind. He's not uncharitable. He's saying, I'm giving you a new land with flocks you didn't raise, houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't cultivate. Not because like, I want to make you feel guilty, but because I want to give you good things. And he says, the whole reason I took you on a journey for 40 years in the desert, verse 16 says explicitly that he might humble you and test you to do good to you in the end. He's like, whether I'm giving you a good thing or I'm putting you through a trial, it's because I desperately want to give good things to my children. And uh, do, do you know that God is good? That he's very good to you? Um, that he's very generous and kind? And that he has intention to bless you and not to curse you if you are in Jesus um, and we know that's true because God himself, God the Son, the Lord Jesus, went to the cross. And the Bible says he became a curse for us. Not so that we could be cursed later, but he said that he could take God's curse from our sin, our idolatry, and give you blessing. There's a beautiful hymn that says, Thou who was rich beyond all measure, all for love's sake, became us poor. Like, Jesus became poor. Like, he gave up everything so that he could give you an inheritance of his grace. He became a curse so that you could be blessed. And that's because he's good. I, if you're like me, like you can read all 20 verses of this and be like, ooh, man, sounds harsh at the end. And dismiss like, the fact that God is like, I'm abundantly just dumping amazing good things on you because I want you to be happy with this good land. So you've got to remember that God's good, but also you've got to remember that God is faithful um, we don't know many faithful people. Uh, you won't find one if you hang out with me. Um, a lot of y'all had tough spring breaks because spring break is that time when you like go home and then you're like, man, didn't think I was going to do that. But here we are and it's only Tuesday of spring break. Um, some of you guys experienced disappointment over spring break or you messed up in some like really intense way or way you thought you wouldn't. And look, God had cared for his people for 40 years in the wilderness. Every day when they woke up, there was this little bread stuff on the ground. And he gave them water out of rocks. And he led them every day with a, with a cloud. And at night, he led them with uh, fire. And they sinned against him the entire time. <laughs> like, they complained the whole time. They're like, I missed when I was a slave. Because I got to eat whatever I wanted. It's like, no, you didn't. Like, you're fantasizing about some weird world that you didn't even live in because, like, I'm not enough for you. They complained the entire time. Um, and he worked for them and gave them good the entire time because God keeps his promises. Um, there is no promise that God can or will make to you that he will not keep in the end. Verse 1 and verse 18 say the exact same thing. Hey, I'm doing all this for you because I made a promise to a dude named Abraham like literally hundreds of years ago that I was going to bring people into this land and I'm making good on that promise today. And God doesn't keep his promises to you because you are so faithful to him. Because you're not. God keeps his promises to his people um, because God is faithful. And the fact that we constantly turn our own way and we go after worthless things and he is faithful to us again and again and again. He says, there's nothing that's going to keep me, not even you, are going to keep me from making good on my promise to you. To give you a future. 
and a hope and peace and good things. We're going to sing this song in a minute on Jordan Stormy Banks. Like we're, and we're going to sing, we're standing on this river and we're about to go into a land with Jesus where he's going to give us his blessing. And it's going to be really, really good. And we're going to sing, I'm bound for that. And there's nothing that can prevent you if you're in Jesus from getting to that land because he is faithful and you are not. And his faithfulness overcomes our unfaithfulness. And we need to, like, we believe that we need God, sort of. But there's lots of other things that we need just like first. And when Jesus was in the wilderness, it's funny, he was being tempted for 40 days and he was not, he was fasting the whole time. So you you imagine after like no or minimal eating for 40 days, your puppy's significantly hungry. And Satan comes to him and uh, if you're Jesus in that moment, we think that Jesus is like this spiritual and like he's fine. He's starving to death. And uh, Satan comes, he says, you know, if you were really the son of God, like you could just like, tell the stone to become a bread and you'd eat it and you wouldn't be hungry anymore. And there's nothing that Jesus could possibly have wanted more in that moment than to eat. Um, and you know what he says to, to Satan? He quotes Deuteronomy chapter eight, like straight up from memory. And he says in verse three, uh, man does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Jesus is basically saying like, I'd like to eat. That's important. But what I need more than anything is to stay close to God and to obey him. Because he's faithful. Jesus is faithful. And when you trust Jesus, he unites you to himself. He joins himself to you forever. So that everything that's true of Jesus and his standing before God is true of you. So that when you stand before God, God goes, you are so faithful. Actually, in the end, if you're in Jesus and you die and you stand before God and you might be tow- like cowering in fear, he's going to look at you and smile and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not because you're faithful, but because Jesus is faithful and he draws you to himself and unites you to himself. And we get to live in that now. And look, y'all, Jesus is just so much better than the dream that it's not even funny. Because the dream will fail you every single day. And Jesus will remain faithful and he keeps his promises. One application that I want to end on, just to, to sort of bring this to you. Um, if our job to stay faithful to God It's merely to remember him and not to forget him. That means that your role in other people's lives is to help them remember God. So that means like if you if you're a believer and you have friends that aren't Christians, like your role in their life by encouraging them, praying with them and for them, spending time with them, asking them about what's going on in their life is to remind them, hey, like God is really good and he's faithful. And these things that you're chasing are worthless. Um, And like, can we remember together that God's good? That's your job. But it's also your job and your privilege to remind people who don't know God about who God is. And I say the word remind on purpose. When we tell someone about Jesus, when you tell someone about Jesus, and I have no assumption that everyone in this room even knows where they're at with Jesus, and we're really glad you're here. When you tell someone about Jesus, you're calling them to remember God. 
And you're like, well, how can they remember God if they don't believe in God or know God? Romans chapter 1 in the New Testament basically says, look, and this is going to sound weird. That's fine. It says, everybody believes in God. Like, he's very clear to everyone. Like, it's not that hard to see his, like, his power and his majesty. That's plain to all of us. The problem isn't that we can't see it. The problem is that we suppress that knowledge because there's just things that we want to do. Um, we want to live our own way. We want to chase after the things that we want to chase after. And we don't want God to rule over us. And that's why we say that. And, and we want to do what we want to do. We want to chase other things. And like you might be here tonight and you might be struggling with that. And figuring out, I feel drawn in a sense. Um, and we're glad that you're here. But the question is, why end on that? That's like a kind of a weird place to bring this whole thing down. Like, we should be like, yay, Jesus is faithful. Let's like go out of here. But why is it like, you know, everybody actually believes in God and they're just suppressing the knowledge. Um, this is why. Because you think to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with somebody, do you have to like build this entire case for them? And like convince them? Because you think, really, it's going to be the power and might of your hand that's going to get you wealth with this person? But the reality is, oftentimes, the people that we love just need help remembering God. They need help remembering that they're chasing worthless things, but that Jesus is kind and faithful and good. And my question for you is, like, who could you help remember God by remembering God with them? Um, saw Moana last week for the first time, and it's awesome. I have now seen Moana no less than eight or nine times. Um, and because uh, I downloaded the digital download, and now it's all that's on the computer. And so that's just what we watch. And it's really good if you haven't seen it. Um, but Moana, she is the chief's daughter on this Pacific island. And the big rule of the island is you don't leave the island. Right? If you've seen Moana, it's really good. Um, and uh, she's the chief's daughter. And so she says, you know, I, I, I am the... Hey, I'm not going to spoil anything, guys. Okay? Don't worry. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to tell you anything you're not going to learn in the first 10 minutes of the movie, okay? That's like my rule. Unless it's like from the 90s, in which case I don't care if you haven't seen it. Um, like if you don't know the ending of Toy Story, like I just I can't help you. Um, but she says like, I'm, I'm the daughter of the village chief. I love my, I'm a girl who loves her island, but I'm also a girl that loves the sea. Like it calls me for some reason. Like she feels drawn to the sea. And early in the movie... She discovers that her people are actually, there were voyagers that like went out on the sea and like discovered new islands and all this stuff. And it's beautiful because the sea chooses Moana. And the sea chooses Moana to remind her people who they really are. And I found that to be so beautiful. Like, she's like, I, I love my island, I love my people, and I love the sea, and I get to re- help my people remember who they really are. And if you know Jesus, that's, like, that's what you get to be. That's what you get to do. You help the, get to help the world remember who they really are. People that God has created for good, who he's created in his image to make the world beautiful and robust and full of love. So remember, especially when things are going well, that God is good and he's faithful and help the world to remember. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you that you are kind, that you're faithful to us. You're much more faithful than we are. Jesus, you're much more full of grace than we are of sin. And we thank you that you help us to remember in your word and through friends. And Lord, I ask that you would help all of us in this room, whether it's a realization for the first time or for the thousandth time, that you are good 
and that we were created to chase after you. And if we do that, uh, we will find much joy. We pray in Jesus' name.